In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. And now back to our conversation with Bill Lonis of Narrowgate. You've been discipling men through your church, through men you've met on the golf course, um, through wherever. Tell me how you made that decision to go to, now I'm going to put my own disciple-making into action. Okay. Well, that came about through uh, John chapter 17, which was one of my my favorite chapters in the Bible. Uh, But more importantly, John walked me through that. And Jesus talks in there about the men you gave me. And so I decided that I had to hang around people often enough that I knew which ones the Lord gave me that he wanted me to invest in over a period of time. And so I looked at my life and said, what are the things I enjoy? And I, at the time, the things that I enjoy the most uh, was bass fishing and playing golf. Well, I looked at that, and bass fishing is a three- or four-day commitment the way I was doing it. I was fishing professionally for a while, and I fished lots of tournaments. And that's me by myself in a boat. So that's not very conducive. So early on, I just cold turkey and quit after 26 years of bass fishing, saying that was just a part of my life that needed to be surrendered. Hmm. Uh, And I said, now I'm going to concentrate on playing golf so you literally and left your nets and followed him, huh? It was a cold turkey decision on a Sunday afternoon with my wife in a car coming from church. Wow. And I told her, I said, I feel the Lord's leading me to make a major sacrifice. And the Lord speaks to me through my wife quite often. And she said, I know what it is. I said, well, tell me. She says, bass fishing. And I literally that day called a guy up and said, sell my boat, sell all my equipment, I resigned from the bass club, and I said, I'm done. This is what God's told me to do. (laughs) And I started looking for a group of guys, and it happened to be on Fridays when I would be on the road practicing for a fishing tournament. How about that? But then I decided was I was going to play golf because I got three other guys that I spend four hours with, and usually you have some time afterwards that you uh, spend uh, together, and that would be my mission field. And so I have concentrated primarily on one uh, location of which I am at regularly, both working out and uh, around the golf. uh, That is where I meet people that most of the disciples I have have either been directly for people I met there or sent to me when they know I'm putting a group together from that particular environment. And you taught me that discipleship is a content-based relationship. Mm. And so it sounds like for you, it starts with the relationship. Well, it's always relationship. Um, if you look at Jesus's life, he f- spent the first 15 months after his uh, baptism, and which is most would say this is the beginning of his ministry, his three-year-plus ministry. And he hung around guys for 15 months before Matthew 4.19. And, and 419, Matthew 4.19 is the verse that says, Come, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. That is in the 15th month. So he spent 15 months. You know, that's months. different. Most people think that Jesus just kind of walked up by this lake. There were these guys out there fishing, sees them and says, hey, come follow me. And just miraculously, they leave their business and their homes and just start following this guy. But that's not the way it happened, was it? No, I, I think that here's the way I like to look at it in kind of like more 
current context is Peter knew what he was saying yes to. Jesus had spent 15 months. They had probably watched the Olympics and drank a beer together. They had probably uh, walked along the beach. They had probably sat in the front row while he preached. They had been in the synagogues when he taught. They had, they had been at people's weddings, which we know, which is the first miracle together, it says, and he was there with the disciples. Yeah. And, you know, he hung with them so that they knew what they were saying yes to. So it was like a friendship. Yeah. And so to me is selection is the most important thing in the disciple-making process. And we tend to give it the least amount of attention hmm. Because it's not us picking people, it's God sending them to us. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. As a pastor, this is what happens. If you're out there in ministry, you know this. Somebody says, okay, I feel like God's calling me to teach people or grow people. Now, who who should it be? Mm. In other words, pastor, go find me somebody to disciple. And I exactly. always say, I have no idea. <laughs> right, exactly. God's going to send yeah. them And to you shouldn't. Them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It'd be a disaster yeah. if I pick your disciples for you. Yeah. Uh, what a buddy of mine calls it that you want, and uh, what do they call the uh, match thing that's uh, harmony? E-harmony. He calls it D-harmony. D- <laughs> he says you can't match make and send people to a discipleship group and say that's the one you're supposed to be in. Yeah. That doesn't work. That is such good news. And Well, and the fact is I've done it. Uh, and, and it didn't work. <laughs> and it didn't work. Okay. And, um, and, and a matter of fact, I just did it today is the guy I was meeting with, and I said, hey, look, Paul is putting a group together. Do you think that uh, your wife would be interested in Paula just meeting with her for coffee and talking? Uh, <laughs> and that would that's how it starts, because mm. Paula's putting her next group together right now, and she's really taking her time, and she has one lady, and, and now we think there's a second, and you know she's just uh, uh, learning that. Yeah. And so that's why you feel selection is so important in the beginning phases of putting a discipleship group together. It's the most important piece. Most important piece. Because the first is is that clearly you have each person has a particular style. They have a particular bent on how they disciple. Like because we're all unique. A thousand ways to disciple, only one Jesus, and only one teaching, and only one methodology. And so we have to follow Jesus's. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's simple. But we have to do it the way we're designed. I mean, I tried once to not be passionate and not be excited, and people wanted to know if I had the flu or something. <laughs> uh, and I can't be Mark, and I can't be Steve, and I can't be anybody else. Yeah. I got to be who I am. You can't even be John, the guy that discipled you. Right? Exactly. Well, yeah, there's so much difference between the two of us personality wise. It's quite amazing. But when you get to our theology and our commitment, we're the same. Huh. It's just that we couldn't be more opposite. Uh, in personality. And that's the uniqueness of disciple-making. So this, go back to for me for a second, because I know uh, I've heard you teach on this before, and um, and you've actually got some videos on 419schoolofdisciplemakers.org, mm. our website, yeah, right. uh, where you talk about some of these things in right. five-minute increments. But you've really been a student of kind of the methodology that Jesus used. Mm. And yeah. most of us realize that Jesus' ministry was about three and a half years. Roughly. Exactly. We don't know exactly. Yeah. But it's close to that. Yeah. And you're saying to me that in the first half of that ministry, it was really just kind of being around people and associating before he calls them to be his disciples. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. What, what's interesting is if you look at the scripture, which is one of the things that I have grown to uh, 
just love. I mean, I, my time with the Lord each day and studying Scripture is probably one of the most important times in my life, and especially studying for, studying for like uh, uh, a group coming up. Um, but anyhow, uh, the fact of the matter is, if you look at the Scriptures, is the first thing that happens in early 30 AD or 28, who cares whether it's yeah. <laughs> what year it is, I don't really get off on it, but you can build a strong case for 30. But early 30, he is baptized. He goes into the wilderness for 40 days, and then he comes out, and two things happen. Uh, first is is John, first chapter of John, where John the Baptist brings John and Andrew to meet Jesus. And, he, and they say, Master, where are you staying? And he says, come and you will see. Hmm. So it's an invitation to get to know Jesus. He spends the next 15 months, well, next after that, excuse me, comes the uh, first miracle where he turns the water into wine. But if you read the text carefully, it says, and Jesus was sitting there with his disciples. Yeah, it's interesting. So now John and, um, and Andrew, they were actually already disciples of John the Baptist. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. And probably, we don't know for sure, but we think Peter probably was and James and so forth because Andrew and John were John the Baptist's disciples. And John the Baptist had prepared his disciples for the coming Messiah. So he was preparing them for another phase or something Exactly, else. exactly. It's kind of like, and, and I've grown to, to uh, the, what we call pre-covenant. You know, it's a time before going into the disciple-making process where you get kind of warmed up to it. I think that's what John the Baptist was. So he was prepping yeah. them, which is, he's the forerunner. Yeah, I call it Bible discovery now is okay. the name I've applied to it, is the period of time before a person has to make the decision like Peter did to follow Jesus. So that's that 15 months. Okay. So I call that Bible discovery. So we just sit with guys and do Bible discovery in a process to get them to then know what they're saying yes to wow. uh, for disciple making. That's yeah. a very different paradigm for a lot of people to think about. Yeah. So then Jesus uh, invites them, I guess, 15 months into the three yeah, 15 years. 15 months is when we see Matthew 4.19. And what do you see him doing then kind of after that with these folks? Because apparently he had a plan. He knew what he was going to be doing with them. Well, I, I think the secret to uh, exploring that or opening that up is to go at the end. And at the end of the Garden of Gethsemane in John seventeen four, he says, the work that you have given me is done or finished or however you want to look at it. The work that you have given me. Then on John seventeen thirty, he says, it is finished. Whole two different things. It is finished is the cross, his death, redemption, forgiveness of sins. And 17.4 is, I have finished the work, which I have discipled these 12 men that you gave me. So when most of us hear Jesus say, it is finished, we think about him on the cross saying, I've finished the work. Mm. But what you're saying is, is a day before the cross, exactly. he's saying it is finished, speaking of the, but he says, the work that you have given me is finished. The work. The you, work. And the work would have been then Training what? the disciples. The training of those 12. So if the work is finished, how do you know it's finished? You had to have a plan. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Yeah. And so the fact is the guy had a plan. Yeah. And if you look at the scriptures, from that 15th month to that time in the Garden of Gethsemane is somewhere around 18 months, somewhere in that vicinity, is he preached two unbelievable sermons, the Bread of Life and the Sermon on the Mount. He did 39 parables, and he did 35 of the 36 um, miracles, and he did them all with his disciples. 
so they could see it. Yeah. If you think about it, what's really interesting to me is is the feeding of the 5,000, of how Jesus thought and how we need to think is was a tremendous, amazing miracle, correct? Mm-hmm. But if you had 5,000 people sitting on a nice grassy hill and you were feeding them with a miracle, don't you think that you would have heard in the scriptures of these 721 salvation experiences and people coming to the cross? No, you hear nothing. Hmm. It was all about the 12. Mm-hmm. It was all about the 12. You know, he was doing these things. And, and so disciple making, you do both at the same time. I mean, right, you can live life and be with disciples, and you can hang, bring them with you when you do things. You know, it's interesting is that, you know, his method was 90% of his time was spent with the disciples. Hmm. Starting in that 15th month through somewhere in early part of 33, somewhere around 18 months or so, and it was all using methods and his teachings. He, had, he knew exactly what he was going to do. He knew it in advance. He systematically put it into their lives. And the other thing that's interesting about it is it grew in frequency and intensity the closer he got to the cross. There are nine major teachings in the last seven days before the cross. So yeah. he, he was different in us in the aspect that he knew how much time he had with these men. Mm-hmm. And he knew, therefore, what they needed to know prior to him leaving. Exactly. Because if I read it right, they were his plan A, and he didn't have a plan B. Exactly. If they yes. didn't carry the message forward, it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And, and I think that what it tells us is, is we have to have a plan. Right. And that plan isn't deciding what to do next. It's what do they need next. So if you look what Jesus taught them, uh, is if you look at, you know, there's a message in both of the major sermons and there's a message in each of the 39 parables, and there's a message that are all teaching and methods. Hmm. Well, we're supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. And to, to randomly say, I'm going to disciple and not follow his methods, first of all, his method was spend a long time in selection to make sure you got the ones that I send you and not the ones you picked. Mm. Your okay? buddy, your friends, your buddies, people yeah, like I've you. I've always got an idea who'd be the perfect candidate, and it never works out that way. <laughs> Uh, matter of fact, Jeff Abel and I have a group that we've been with two and a half years now, and we each put in five names, and we sat over at Reveille and said, man, this would be an awesome group. Every one of them said no. So we had to come <laughs> back and put a new list together. And we finally ended up with a couple of people weren't even on either of the list, but it's been probably one of the most rewarding disciple-making groups because I'm absolutely certain he and I let Jesus pick him. Now, we inter- interacted a few times, and mm-hmm. he helped us see our uh, inappropriate decisions. Mm-hmm. We thought, this guy was cool. Nope, this guy was cool. Nope. We even invited two guys into the group. They left. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was really interesting. But you don't take it personal, do you? Um, at first, I did. You did? Oh, absolutely. I think we're human. Like they were rejecting you. I'm a a brand new Christian, a brand new disciple maker. Mm -hmm. And I think Jesus said, I'm going to allow you to make these mistakes uh, and you're going to grow. And I, I, I just believe that you're not a really good seasoned disciple maker till the third group. Got to have some failures. You got to, you know, I, I, you know, did some stuff that was double dumb, uh, <laughs> which means I had done it before. And if you do it again, it's double dumb. <laughs> and, you know, I just, you know, I, I, I let my passion get ahead of my brain mm-hmm. and ahead of Jesus. And 
thank goodness, going back to our original conversation, that my regular time with the Lord always gets me back and grounded. Mm. And it's where I got to tether myself to. It doesn't always happen, and most times it doesn't quickly. But the Lord will eventually say, Billy, come on. Okay, you know better than this. I've allowed this to go on, and you have a couple choices to make. You can keep going. I'm going to use a two before the next time. Mm. Or right now you can listen to me and make some adjustments. <laughs> and and I just and I and I see it in lots of different ways, and it's helped me grow as a disciple maker. That I have confidence now, uh, but I never try to take the spot that it's me doing it. Yeah, because then it becomes personal, and then you I I got some slippery slopes that I can fall into that are patterns in my life. I got to be very careful of. We're never the head coach, are we? Never the head coach. Yeah. yeah, everything. Well, you have a method to your you the selection process. You also, I know about you, you have a, a certain amount of different content that you feel like at different times needs to be imparted into the lives of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've been able to keep your group from straying into a Bible study. Yes. Now you talk about in the initial phases, Bible discovery, which gets people interested. Mm-hmm. But what have you found? Um, what have you found that's uh, most helpful for you on keeping the group from just becoming another Bible study where people sit and talk about the Bible and then go home and live like they've always lived? Well, I, I think that if you don't go back to the ministry of Jesus, and we have you know modeling the methods of the Master as our uh, mission statement is you always have to use Jesus's ministry as a mirror. So I got to stand up in front of the mirror of Jesus's ministry and say, are we mirroring that? So mirroring the method as a master is very important to me. It's not just a statement, it's a lifestyle. And if you really think about it, I mean, there's lots of ways to look at this, but this is how my mind works, is when at the beginning of Jesus's ministry, he says, come get to know me. Then he moved him in a phase where he said, come and trust me. Then he moved into a phase that says, come and abide in me. And then he moved to the last phase is, join me in my mission in my mission of seeking and saving the lost and discipling to maturity in Christ, and I send you out to do that. Okay, so I have looked at what I do with people is, I spend the first grouping of time helping them get to know Jesus. And so I pick things, I have an assortment of things to pick from that the people, the group, I will know what the group needs before the first meeting. And then I'll spend about a month or two doing some normal things like I always start with Genesis 1 and 2. And now I got a snowman I show him along with that that has really helped. It's a way of visually seeing Genesis 1 and 2. And then I show him 3, and then I show him salvation, three different snowmen. It's really interesting. We have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. It's just a new thing that I've, I've learned recently. Um, but anyhow, then I'll know where I need to start. Hmm. Like, do they need, like I did, to know how to pray? Do they need to know how to navigate the Bible? Yeah. Do they understand uh, you know, how to use it and not depend on it? In other words, how do you, if you've got a study Bible, most people just go right to the bottom and read what it says instead of reading the Scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and just those things and teach them how to pray and teach them their responsibilities and teach them the basics. There's some basics of Christianity that every Christian should know. Uh, and to me, there's some great tools to do that. Lots of different tools that are on the 419 site that fill in that know Jesus mm-hmm. piece. And so that's typically the uh, 
Bible discovery piece, like, and then the time where I have, and I have 11 page covenant uh, that I give them somewhere along that path when I think it's ready to say, go home, spend some time on this, share it with your wife, and we're going to pick a day where you need to make that decision if you want to go forward. If you don't, that's fine. And that is the explanation of so that they know what they're saying yes to. Exactly. What you're saying Jesus spent 15 months doing. Yeah. Uh, And so they're going to know what it's going to entail. They're going to know that it's a three to five year process. If it's less than three years, it doesn't stick. If it's over five, you turn it into a Bible study. So, you know, think about this. Some people go through college in three years. Some go through in five or six. Right. What I'm just saying is someplace we're going to have covered what you needed to be covered to be on a trajectory for the rest of your life to follow Jesus as a disciple. And my job is to make sure it sticks. I'm the steward of that master-apprentice relationship. That is a real systematic approach Hmm. um, that uh, I think a lot of people would resonate with. Most people, we haven't seen that. I went through seminary um, been, and had a, and been through all kinds of trainings. I never saw a systematic approach at mm. making disciples like you, yeah. like you've experienced. Yeah, here's, here's what I believe. And I, I say this tongue-in-cheek because I know that you'll enjoy it, but I think Jesus was the ultimate Omaha. What in the world are you talking and about? And Omaha is Peyton Manning under center, and he changed the play at the line of scrimmage. Omaha, Omaha. Yeah. <laughs> okay? And so the issue is, is that, you know, I believe that Jesus knew exactly his content. He knew what the Lord had, that God had sent him. He knew the parables. He knew the miracles. He knew the sermons. He had done all of his homework, right? You don't go up there this past Sunday, Mark, and preach a sermon you haven't worked on. Mm-hmm. Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do. If you're going to paint a room, you have to know the room, buy the paint, put the lines on. You have to do all those things. And you know when you're finished because it's painted, okay? And, and Jesus uh, knew that. Hmm. And he's very intentional. But he let the men and the life get in the way. And that's when he pulled one of those out and said, okay, we'll do this here. You he see, pulled, so, pulled a different play out. So he pulled a play out. And, he, and he'd have a play called that they're going to do. And he was best at Omaha. And he said, I'll just call that play another time. But I think he let, just like we, when we disciple, we should let life intersect mm-hmm. with the group and determine when it's time to call a timeout or when it's a time to do an Omaha Mm-hmm. Or when it's a time to rec- you know, to go back to the, the drawing board, call a timeout, and go mm-hmm. back and say, well, you know, we really messed this up. It's kind of like at the Super Bowl. After a while, it's pretty easy to see they're going to throw it to Edelman on third down. Oh, now you're bringing up some very painful Right, but the fact of the matter is, if they had a game plan <laughs> and they stuck with a game plan and the other team didn't make adjustments. Well, what we're called to do as disciples is to make adjustments within the boundaries of having, knowing what I'm going to cover with the disciples that God gives me. You bring such a practical approach to this concept that sounds spiritual and, and um, beyond practical for a lot of people. And that's what, that's probably of all the things I've learned from you is, is um, been the most helpful to me is, is, is a practical framework on how you do what many people actually never will do um, because, because it just seems like it's beyond our grasp, so to speak. So, so let me, Let me say, Bill, thank you, number one, for Mm. spending the time with us today. And um, uh, we definitely want to have you back because I want to hear more. I think our people want to hear more about some of the content that you feel like is important to share uh, with these people at whatever time in the the phase of the group uh, around like the first 
three chapters of Genesis, those types of things. And so um, I know there's, uh, I know if you're listening to this right now, there's, you're probably taking notes and there's some things that you wanted to, mm-hmm. to catch. So that's our commitment. We're going to have Bill come back and, and help us uh, learn some more about the tools that he uses um, in, in making disciples. So Bill, thank you mm. for being here today. It's been fun. Thank you for your, your friendship, number one, your, and your commitment to, to living out the Great Commission like you mm. do. Mm. God bless. Thank you. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. Join us again next week as we continue our conversation on the 419 Disciple Makers podcast.